This is a conversation with Dries Lombard. So, the, so hi Dries. Uh, the, the topic I would love to discuss and I would really like to hear your experience with because I think it's one of the topics you have most experience with is um, talking about teams and talking about teams both from the perspective of where do the, the perspective of people work in teams usually and people have different strengths where does that meet but also the perspective on uh, teams interpersonal relationships and coaching and how much of coaching actually has to do with learning how to manage interpersonal relationships manage expectations disappointments and all of that in new ways um, mm -hmm. those are kind of the two bigger things I I'm really interested in and would love to hear your thoughts on okay all right so let's see let's see where this where this leads uh, there's so much we can talk about both those uh, topics if you call it that um, but let's let's start talking about teams so when it comes to a a strength-based approach to teams, um, this is a, a massively impactful approach with immediate impact on teams. Um, and what I find most exciting when I get the opportunity to work with teams is that it's got an immediate impact, not only um, with with new teams, but with teams who's been together for many years and who apparently or not apparently who really knows each other well. Um, and one one may think that when uh, when people know each other, what more are you going to tell them by bringing in a tool or an approach like this? Because they know each other, they've worked together every day, and uh, it's it's really surprising to to see and experience how uh, a different perspective and a different language uh, just sheds new understanding and new light on people working together in teams. So, so just um, to maybe come in here for a second, because I'm not sure everybody knows what you're referring to with such an approach. So basically what you're talking about there is one of the main things you do is is using a certain strength or talent assessment called uh, called the uh, Clifton Strengths, and it basically distinguishes between thirty four different talents a person can have, and distinguishes them. Uh, and your perspective on talent is talents are natural energies we have, so natural ways of behaving, thinking, feeling in the world. Yeah. and um, actually things that give us energy when we engage with them. And um, basically what this Clifton Strengths test does is give a language to that. So actually learning to see what are my talents. And then also beyond that, looking at how can you implement them in your life so that you actually make the most of the talents you have. Just so that people who are not, who yeah. don't know what your background is are maybe a little bit informed. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would just add to that, uh, all of what you said, just add to it, it's, it's an energy, but it expresses itself also as a need. Mm, yeah. so, so a talent brings forth an energy that gives it sustainability and perseverance and longevity. But 
the source of a talent is often a specific need that you have to think, feel, and behave in a specific manner. And just, just Lucas, with saying that, now you can already see um, both on teams and interpersonal relations when, when you understand a bit more of where someone comes from, it has a, 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 a very strong impact on getting someone and understanding someone a lot better. Um, even, even in general language, um, we would talk to someone in a relationship or in a team and we'll ask, do you understand what I mean? Or do you get me? Or people will say, I want to tell you where I'm coming from. Okay. And, and then they say a lot of things that may or may not be understood. Now, now strengths and strength-based language, as you explained also and with the Clifton Strengths tool, gives it a new description, often a very accurate description, and certain phrases and, 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 and names to it that people get. And um, when, when people work in a team and they understand where someone comes from that takes away a lot of prejudgment that we have on others because when people are thrown in a mix in a job situation or in any kind of team we come from various backgrounds um, different personalities these days mostly different cultures as well uh, and different ethnic groups, etc. So the world has become mostly, in most countries, extremely diverse. And the, 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 the kind of the catchphrase in training is diversity training, okay? Which is meaningful. <clears throat> but what does it really mean to understand diversity? You can get top line knowledge and awareness of diversity which has got to do with um, your gender, your race, your religion, your culture. And that takes you and puts you in a framework and a bracket, okay? So you are African American, or you are Swedish, or you're English or Russian, or whatever, okay? Um, and immediately when you do that, you can, people start presupposing things. So now they go like, okay, I get you. All right. If, if that's who you are, then I must expect this. Sometimes it's helpful to a degree um, and, and with interaction to, to get to understand each other's cultures and backgrounds and kind of behaviors, et cetera, way of thinking. I mean, I've worked for, for many years, I've worked with a, a, a very big German company, all right? And uh, you cannot deny the fact that within the German company, the culture was German, all right? So with most people, even in different countries where I worked with the German company, even if there was very few, which often was the case, Germans in the teams. The culture was German because that is what is built in this company. So you must think the German way. You must do the German way. And we will 
process and strategize and handle the company in the German way. And that leads to success. And in that case, that was, I think, also the reason that that company is now more than 150 years old, because that way in that industry works very well for the Germans and they've built it out. So that's top line. It's relevant, it's important. But, and here's the big but, when we talk about diversity and when we talk about individuals, you can have two people who grew up in the same culture, in the same country, nationality, same village, same school, let's make it even closer, same household and same parents. Completely different, right? Fact, completely different. Okay, so anybody who has siblings, exactly, yeah. everybody who's got siblings knows that. So now, even if you have similarities when it's to do with certain context, as individuals, the least interesting thing about us, I believe, is the top line stuff. The least interesting thing about me is that I'm uh, white that I'm South African, that in South Africa, I come from the Afrikaner tribe, etc. That's relevant. And there's some of that that I love, etc. But it's, it's the least interesting. I believe the most interesting thing about me is what makes me unique and different to other people. What do I bring that is different? What's my perceptions, my values, what is my rationale, what do I believe in, what's my purpose, and then if you bring it down to what we're talking about talents, what's your unique talents, so what's your energy, what do you bring to a team, and what do you need in order to function with high energy sustainably in this team, all right, and not just what is your talent but what is your unique combination of talents? Exactly. Even more unique. Even more unique. Actually, as we mentioned in previous uh, recordings, uh, if you only take the first five of the Clifton Strengths report, there's 34, but let's make it easy. Take the first five, statistical probability of somebody else having the same sequence of five talents than you is one in 33 million, all right? So even with a strength-based approach, you're extremely unique. And as I often tell people when I work with teams, I ask them, if it's a big team, it works even greater than a small team. I tell them, spend a little time, see if you can find someone that you share talents within your top five and stand with them and see what happens. And obviously you'll get people who say, yeah, I got another intellection. I've got another achiever, whatever. Um, and then after I've done that, I say, okay, now that you have that similarity, now we look at your differences in values, education, background, etc. So again, then, oh, then everything changes. So the point I want to make with this is diversity is complex and diversity is much deeper than culture or race or religion. 
diversity is unique to each person. And if you really in a team want to not only respect, but understand and utilize diversity, you must make an effort of each individual to understand each other individual to the best of your ability. So what, what I and, hear you saying there is that real diversity is actually not who's the blacks, who's the browns, who's the whatever, who's the whites, but is you as an individual. That's, you are different than any other individual and that's the actual diversity of human beings is each individual is diverse and we can learn to um, appreciate and understand that diversity by looking at things like cultural background, like race, like gender, yes, but much more importantly and much more uh, uniquely looking at people's talents, looking at people's personal values at, at yes. people's convictions and yes. then building on that and then yes. and then actually seeing because to me the much more natural way to look at it would be I personally think we are born with certain talents so to me one of the things whenever I see babies is babies are on one level all super open and uh, can be uh, can take on many things but also yep. every single baby i've ever seen is completely different than any other baby i've ever seen so they're, they're already unique yes. so we come to this planet with certain talents and we actually take in our culture and take in whatever our background is through the lens that we are born with and that will never be the same it will never yes. so that's For me, exactly. my, my perfect example is my siblings who grew up in very similar situation as me. Obviously there was a time difference, but very similar, but we were different from day one and we still yes. are very, 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 very different. Yes. And to, to hook onto your example of, of babies, um, the most beautiful thing I think that everybody loves about babies, um, we are taught to discern, label, and judge. Show me one baby who judges anyone else, okay? They can't judge. They don't have the framework to look at another baby and go, oh, no, you're black. Oh, no, you're white. Oh, no, you're fat. No, you're thin. You're, you're a girl. You're a boy. They can't do that. They don't have the framework. Society then forms us with these frameworks of projecting, labeling, and judgment. And when we fast forward and we take that to the, the challenge of working in teams together, we walk in and we immediately project. And with projection, I mean, you take your point of view, your perspective, your rationale, your emotions, you radiate it out and you project it on someone else that they must surely think, feel, and behave in the same way as you do because they're human also. That's projection. We project what we think and what we feel on others. Okay. Now, can I just come in there? Because I, I literally led a workshop on projection on Saturday. Um, so uh, 
I think it's it's even deeper than that because projection is usually the unconscious materials of us. We project what we are not conscious of. And yeah. the, the most fundamental way I can look at that is what we're not conscious of is actually what makes up our world, like how we build our world, but we don't know that we're doing that. So we just assume that other people build their world the same way we do. And the reality is absolutely. they absolutely don't. <laughs> they absolutely don't. Yes. Yes. And, and so, so from that intuitive underlining projection, that's natural. Look, yeah. projection is natural. It's human. Yeah. Don't think you can switch it off. Uh, we got it. If you go to neuroscience, you project in order to survive. If, we, if you walk in, in a dangerous place and you don't project, you'll die. Because it's senses that's on for safety, um, as old as humanity is. But now, projection is normal. But then comes what I call labeling. So when we project, <clears throat> we scan and then we label people. So we go... You're nice, you're awkward, you're grumpy, you're funny, okay? Um, you're an asshole, <laughs> you're judgmental, uh, you, I don't know yet, so I'm just going to leave you, etc. So we immediately label people. And even labeling is a normal thing of, of humans to do, but we, we don't only label negatively. We, we label negative and positive, okay? You're an asshole, but you're great, okay? You're like kind of in your own world, but you're very funny and approachable, okay? So <clears throat> we do that. And then comes the third, third part that I call the, the, the problem area, judgment. Then we judge and judgment means to divide something between what's right and what's wrong, okay? And we judge according to our filter and our lens, our values, our framework, and then also our talents and strengths is the way we judge. And when we judge, there's often a barrier that we bring down. And, and sometimes judgment can be very final. So the, the challenge is, to be aware of when you project and why, be aware of when you label and why, but to reserve judgment, to hold back judgment, and first get clarity and better understanding on why this label may be wrong or right, and why we project it in a way we do, all right? So that, that's where strengths come in, is when I work with teams in this, I literally teach them about projection, labeling, and judgment, okay? And I do it an internal, an internal um, exercise for them. That's, that's mostly I tell them, do this only in your head. You don't even write it down. That's even too dangerous. And I'll tell them, you know the people around the room. You've worked with them. I want you to describe in your head as you look around the room, how do you project, how do you label, and how do you judge? Don't say a word, just explore yourself. And often people just start laughing because 
now for the first time things that they do every minute of every day they're aware of they're doing that and now they feel awkward or it's funny or whatever okay enter a language like the clifton strengths a strength language when we have that it clarifies a lot of things about people's thinking and behavior and emotional interaction and shows you from positive psychology why you should not judge this because it's not necessarily wrong. It is what is right with that person. It's what's right with them. Like yours is what's right with you. So don't judge, understand. But I think don't just discern. Yeah, this is where it's important to really be clear on what does judgment mean. And it seems like the way you use it, judgment is really the assignment of value. Like saying that's valuable, that's not. And basically saying some of these things are less valuable or less whatever than others. Whereas if we turn it around and look through it from, from a positive psychology, we can actually be like, that is valuable in itself. It may be different to how, to my value, to what's, what's right in me, but it's in itself, it has an in, internal coherence and an internal beauty that is valuable. Yes. So one of the catchphrases that I teach teams to use is difference is not wrong, difference is strong. So that they can embrace that concept. And when it comes to judgment, I ask them to tell me what's the difference between judgment and discernment. We may and should discern, otherwise we're foolish. Okay, but we cannot simply judge. So discern, discern if it's wise or foolish, if it's safe or dangerous, if it is whatever, an opportunity or not. That's discernment. But be careful for judgment, especially too soon and too fast. All right. The, the, and the catchphrase we use in our training is the, is the sentence, everything is good for something and bad for something else. Exactly. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then to understand when we work with teams that there's no such thing like a well-balanced and well-rounded individual, but there's well-balanced teams. So the team is much, much better and much more rounded and balanced than any individual could ever be. If, if we understand the differences and utilize it in the correct manner. If we don't understand it, the team is not uh, balanced, it's dysfunctional. And then it's better to work on your own, which many people prefer towards teams because of dysfunctionality in that sense. So, so maybe I can explain a bit more of, of typical strengths that you find where the, so, so you find, you find that people with certain similar talent themes, and I'm talking about adults specifically now, if you have similarities, those people tend to attract each other. We often say opposites attract, and that's true, especially in relationships. Yes, it does. In teams, you often find much more that similarities attract, okay? 
and and opposites tend to res reserve and and kind of keep a distance because of uncertainty on what's going on there okay so if we for instance um let's take any two examples um that that i'm, I'm going to take a real case study of two people that i have in mind years ago that i worked with both both on managerial level in a company and the one had extremely strong uh, talents of strategic ideation, self-assurance, and also things like woo and competition. So this person was outgoing, interactive, sociable, outspoken, funny, you know, um, and extremely strong positivity. So always positive and hopeful and say, let's try it. Let's go take this. It's the one manager in the team. The other manager that I'm thinking of in the same team had nearly all of those talents in their non-patterns at the bottom of his profile. So I tell people, remember your non-patterns at the bottom end of your profile uh, it's a weakness because it drains and weaken, weakens you, but give it the name. It's your resistance. You resist that because it drains you. And this person, this other person had very strong talents of a deliberative, analytical belief consistency, which is a profile that tells you this person is careful, hesitant, analyzing, critical um you know but slow also takes takes one step after another very one step at a time systematic um conscientious very careful very perfectionistic it's all part of that person's profile and and funnily enough they were in typical roles for each person this outgoing person was head of the sales team and this other one was head of compliance all right so perfect fit there, but they had to work together and they couldn't. They've been working in the same company and team for many years, but they were, when I get, got involved, they were at a stage where they would not even speak to each other. Okay. And then when I spoke to the one, the extroverted, you know, positive guy, I, I would ask him, so tell me about this other person. Um, tell me, <laughs> what is it about him that you don't like? And he said, oh, he's a grumpy old, oh, you know what? I can say anything. He will criticize me. He's negative about any idea I bring. He slows me down and, and he's negative always. And he's difficult to work with and I have no time for him. And I think he's a terrible member of the team. And uh, we, we, I think he should just leave. Okay. All right. Perception. Then I had a discussion with the other guy and I asked him the same question. What about this guy? Don't you like? And he said, Oh my word, that guy's reckless. Oh, he, he moves way too fast. He's loud. And he takes enormous risks. He will cost the company a lot of money. And, um, and he talks a lot. And he's 
got this wild ideas that's not proven, not tested. He does not look at the dangers at all or the data. He's so reckless and he's so, taking such risks. I don't think the company should even have him. They should fire him. Okay. So now you can get the idea about opposites in that manner. Then I had a meeting with both of them. And what I did is what I always do in partner sessions like this. I told them, listen, you know each other and it's no secret you don't like each other. All right. I don't care if you like each other or not. I want you to listen to me like I'm going to introduce each other to each other in a way with new words. And I want you to listen and don't judge. All right. So then I would literally say, okay, let's call them Jim and John. I said, Jim, me, John. Okay. John has the talents of positivity. Here's what positivity means. It means optimism. It means hopefulness. It means the need to interact with things and give it the best possible version and the best explanation of everything positive and and anything that can go wrong. John's also got a talent of self-assurance, which means he's an enormous risk taker and he loves to take risks and he doesn't want to think about the dangers at all. He, he just wants to engage with that. And John has got a profile of woo, which means he's sociable. He loves people around him and he interacts with them. And I went on and I explained it in the talent language. And then I said, now all that I've said is what is right with John. Nothing about that is wrong. All of those things is right. So leave it there. Now let's introduce Jim. Jim's got an amazing talent of deliberative, which is the danger radar. So John, Jim always sees the danger before he sees the opportunity. And he analyzes critically and he sees small mistakes and small detail. And he's an introvert who gets drained by people. He's quiet, he's at his own. But he naturally sees danger and sees different critical details of things that could become an issue or can be wrong one day, etc. And I explained Jim and I said, John, remember everything I said about this is right with him. Nothing is wrong. Okay. And then I opened it up and I facilitated a discussion. And here's what happens. And this is so is basically more or less exactly their words. John looked at Jim and he said, so, so Jim, you're not an asshole. Is, is that it? And Jim looked at John and he laughed and he said, yeah, I'm not an arsehole, but you're not an arrogant bastard either, are you? <laughs> and they also, and they said, they said, so, so actually what you bring, if I listen to it in the way Dries explained it, those things are very important. Um, I just don't get how you always bring that in excess and abundance. And, and Jim said, well, John, the things that you bring in sales, I can never do that. That's awesome. But I also think you're blind to the details. And then they would start agreeing. And you said, yes, I'm absolutely blind to that. I don't like that to do. And then for the first time in years, they started to connect and understand and 
celebrate and encourage each other. Now I want to fast forward. I had another few discussions with him. I want to fast forward about a year or so down the line. I once walked into the company and one of the guys, um, let's say John, he came up to me immediately and I said, Dries, I want to show you something. And he took out a little gift in the form of a knife, a pocket knife, you know, um, in that culture, they use that often. And he took this out and he said, look at this. And he opened it. He said, um, look, my name is on it. I said, that's a beautiful knife, John. Uh, where did he get it? He said, Jim gave it to me. And, uh, and you know what? Me and Jim, I never, ever go into meetings without Jim anymore. And when Jim talks, I listen. Because he helped me in so many things to to see dangers and I listened to him differently. And, and then when I spoke to, to Jim later, he also said, he said, I, I, think, I think John's an awesome guy. You know, he, he uses me to give him advice and so on. And I'm so glad he does the sales. I'll hate it, too many people. So what happened here? Uh, first projection, labeling and judgment from their end, stuck, stuck in judgment. Then what happened, new language, new description of things from a positive perspective that's accurate, that confirms behavior. It confirms thinking. I never told the one that the other one is not critical. I confirmed his criticalness in terms of the beauty and value that's right with it. And the same, I, I confirmed the, the entrepreneurship and the expressiveness with the beauty it brings. And that gave a new awareness of other awareness and a new celebration of it and an understanding and from their own end, working together and see that the balance lies in the partnership. And what I don't have, I need in you. And what I bring, I can celebrate. And, and from that, actually, even friendship can come, although it's not necessary always in the work to be friends with them, but it can happen and it often does. But the, the point of the story is to show you that from self-awareness first, going into other awareness, understanding what is right with you is more important and that you don't have an intention. John always thought Jim had an intention to break him down. And, and, and Jim always thought John was on his case and loud in order to humiliate him. And sometimes some of it might have been true, but on the bottom end of it, it was not the intention. The intention is to bring the best of me and to see what you don't do and what you miss and then fill the gaps. And from that beauty happens. And I've touched now on both your issues. I've touched on teamwork and interrelational because you can't, you can't separate the two. You bring, you don't check in your personality at the door. I hope you bring it into the team and therefore you have to be clear. And with the strengths, you're actually adding a new tool because so I, I, I sometimes find the mantra a little bit too simplistic, this language creates reality. But there is a level where that is true, where only the things we can truly express and label, we can sustainably perceive. So yes. by giving people labels that are at least as accurate as the labels they had before so 
um, rather than labeling everything as, no, all of this is just perfect. No, but this is annoying. No, 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 no. Perfect. Like that doesn't work, but actually I get that this pisses you off, but here's what the positive side of this is. And then being able to explain that positive side probably more precisely than they ever could allows yes. people to accept it. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and you know, what people then realize is that um, what, what irritates you is, is often what someone else brings and you don't have it. And, and in, the, in the strengths definitions and in the combination of talents, you get a multitude of variety and diversity. So you get people that's clearly detail-oriented or big picture-oriented, people who are starters and others are finishers, people who are expressive and extrovert or introvert. You get pessimists and optimists. You get people who are fast thinkers and slow thinkers. You get people who have sensing of emotions and others who are blind to emotions. You get futurists who see the future and the vision and historians who look at the past. And so I can go on. And it, became, it becomes clear <clears throat> with this uh, uh, profile if you know how to interpret it. And when I do, I gave you an example of a partnership in a team, but when I take a team of 10 or 15 members, I put them on a matrix grid. And to me, in my experience view, when I look at it, I see a story. I can see without knowing, they don't have to, I can see who's the fast decision makers, who's the critical guys, who's the funny guys, um, who would be deep thinkers in this, who would be the emotional people, who would be the sociable people, who would be those who stay after work every day and don't go home until it's finished, who would those that desk is always untidy and they always procrastinate, who, who would volunteer for anything, who would prefer to work on their own, who would prefer, I can see it all because it's a multitude that comes clear with this. Now, if I take that insight and I tie it to awareness of each other and give it the label of this is right with you, not wrong, but then go one step further and tie it to roles, not positions, roles. When I walk into a team, all of them already have positions. And my task is not to change positions. It's not to get people fired or hired. My task is keep your position, but what role could you play within a position that's strength-based, that help you to with energy and need do what you do best every day to the benefit of everyone in the team and to the benefit and joy of yourself. And if, if with great leadership and management, if they allow this to happen, and if they do not restrict people's strengths, but empower them to use it, then you get what's a thing of absolute beauty, a strength-based team where you have positions and they get paid accordingly, but you have people playing towards strengths, understanding, listening, doing what they do well, not labeling and judging, but embedding that diversity to the right extent of what it should be. So if I understand that correctly, it's 
it would then be that a, that each person kind of fills two things in the company. Number one, it, they fill a certain position. If you're the CFO, you're the CFO, and you have all the responsibilities of a CFO. Um, yes. But in addition to that, knowing your strengths, knowing what your needs and energies are, I know that you are good for certain things and you're not so good for other things. And if I personally have something to do where I know whatever you have as the CFO, and I imagine as a CFO, you have at least some detail orientation, you have, uh, you, you look towards patterns, but you also look at um, how does it fit to other things. And I can go to you needing that, and you can actually help me with that role by filling the role of that energy and of that way of thinking, behaving, and feeling when I yes. need it. Yes, absolutely. So, so often you get people who do not understand this approach that's hesitant because they say, I can't go and change everyone's position and salaries and hire and fire according to a profile. And I tell them, that's not what I'm here for. You're not going to do that. Um, and, and a thing that I always tell every person in the company and in the team is, what did you sign to be paid for? It's your position. What's your job description? Do your job first or you'll be fired. Do your job to the best of its ability. Then, if you do that, play the roles that you can through doing your job while doing your job. Yes, it happened on many occasions where people realize out of discovering who they are that they're in a wrong position. And some of them would resign. Other times I got managers who said, I'm going to take this person and move them to another position. Of course, clearly they'll be, and they did with great effect. So I'm not saying don't do that, but it, it, it must be a process. Okay. But what you do, and, and I can give you a your, great. And it's just not your decision. <laughs> exactly. you're, you're not the one who goes like, this person should be moved there. And that's not your job. That's not my job. I'll give you a great example. Again, a true, true story example. Short one is, um, I, I, I was in discussion with, with a C-level uh, leader, a manager in a company on strategy and ideas and so on. This was after I, I've been involved for, for a few years with a company. And actually, as a coach, uh, everyone knew, and this was true, I knew everyone in that company better than anybody else. Because I had one-on-ones with everyone multiple times, etc. So they started to use me in consultation as well. And they were at the stage where they had to get re-strategizing and get ideas and so on for a new kind of pathway and future. And the, <clears throat> uh, the CEO called me in and he said, you know, this is a tough job and I'm, I'm not going to go this alone. I want to do this uh, strength-based. So I want you to tell me in my, in my exco uh, who could I rely on best for certain things? And he started to talk and then at, and, and we discussed it. And then uh, he got to a point and he was starting to talk about ideas and creativity and so. And something came up with me and I, I, I told him, listen, um, are you willing to take this all the way? Or do you just want to do it as a nice to have? The strength-based approach. You're willing to take it all the way and get full benefit of it. And he said, absolutely. I say it's a courageous move if you do it. Are you willing to do it? He said, let's let's try. 
I said, okay, I'll tell you who's the most creative person that you could have for your creativity discussions in this boardroom. I could tell you right now, your receptionist. She's got number one ideation, extremely high strategic. She's got futuristic in her profile. She, by the way, loves her job as a receptionist. Let me tell you that, of course, she's also very interpersonal. But the, the ideas and the things that that lady told me that she's got for the company by listening and observing is out of this world. It's amazing. So yes, if you want to take it all the way. Next time you have a strategic brainstorm with your senior leaders, invite her in. And he went like, whoa, that'll be a first. And I said, you said you want to be courageous. Invite her in, not in a position, in a role. Go and celebrate and tell the others, you're going to celebrate strengths. Go on her and invite her and saying, can I invite you to bring your ideation and your futuristic and strategic to the boardroom for the next hour and just tell us what you see. Long story short, they did it. And multiple of her ideas started to become company policy and rollout. Okay, she was, was not promoted to an exco. She doesn't want to be. She's still receptionist. But she's so happy and fulfilled. And they said, why? Because the biggest need someone has in a workplace is to do what I do best as often as I could. And if creative ideas is what I do best, and I'm invited to do that in other teams, what a pleasure. What an engagement. I can, I can so resonate with that because I sometimes have that thought just for my personal strength profile that if I was paid for nothing else but talking to people and coming up with ideas, life would be really good because it would be the easiest thing for me in the world to do. <laughs> just yeah. sit there all day coming up with ideas. <laughs> and I, I, I even have a process where I help managers to use talents to the right extent. So if they, if they has, have a whole project, I tell them, Start with your pre-launchers first. Get them in the room, company-wide or team-wide. Get the futurist ideation inputs, all of those who's got it all up here. Have sessions with them. Then move to the launchers. Get your strategists, your activators, all of them in a room. And, and then add the critical ones, deliberative, analytical consistency, Give them the ideas that came out of those talents and say, shoot it full of holes. What can, what can survive your scrutiny? Let them go. If it survives, it's great. Then let them activate it and then hand it over to the people who implement best and who sell it best right through, right till the end. You work where, where currently most companies work on positions. So, your, the communications team, you must do this, and HR must do that. That's not wrong, but you're missing out even in those teams with the best strengths and talents because you're not even aware that it's right there. My, my personal but, impulse when you said that's not wrong was just, that's not wrong, it's just a bit stupid. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and the great thing, Lucas, is with, with the great research and science and technology that we have today, it's, we, we can discover what we have for ourselves and in our teams. It's possible to a great extent of accuracy. 
Why don't we do it more? Yeah. So I think this is a perfect place actually to, to slowly end. I just want to come back one more time because I think we've mentioned it a couple of times today and I think it's so core for this whole strength thing and also for the strength in teams thing is coming back to what is a strength. A strength is the energy you have, but actually the need you have. And I think the need comes in twofold things. It's the need you have to act, feel, and uh, think in a certain way. But this actually leads to you have a need to be in certain working situations. And the more we can make the working situations so that when there is a certain thing that needs to happen in the company or the team, the people who naturally have a need to do that anyways are in the room that exactly. just makes it all really easy and there's there's never been a better time and a more crucial time to do it than right now in the world never we need people to play different roles according to their strengths right now and and you know it's not rocket science it's just it's a bit courageous but Ain't that what leadership should be? Courageous. So just do it. You never, you never know what's around the next corner. So.